Hello and welcome to the Coffee Gals podcast, brought to you by the team behind the Ottawa Coffee Fest. Bonjour et bienvenue au podcast Café, présenté par l'équipe derrière le Café Fest Ottawa. My name is Mel. Et mon nom est Jen. As some of you may know, our coffee festival that was scheduled for March 2020 had to unfortunately be postponed until further notice due to COVID-19. And like many other events, we are exploring different ways to stay engaged with our participants and to continue to share the love and knowledge within Ottawa's coffee community. Every few weeks, we'll be speaking with different people within the industry so you can get to know more about your favorite local roasters and coffee shops. Let's get started. This episode is sponsored by 8-Ounce Coffee. Founded in 2011, 8-Ounce Coffee is a company of coffee people passionate about specialty coffee and all the fun gear and equipment that go with it. They're very picky about the brands they sell and only go with the best quality product in every category, never selling knockoffs or imitations. They support those who innovate, not those who copy. Nine years later, they're now the biggest specialty coffee equipment distributor in Canada, selling to almost 3,000 cafes, roasters, hotels, kitchens, and lifestyle stores across the country and in America. They love the coffee community in Canada and wouldn't be where they are today without it. For more information, visit 8OunceCoffee.ca or find them on Instagram at 8OunceCoffee, all one word. Today's guest is Henry Assad, President and CEO of Happy Goat Coffee Company. Now with eight cafes across the city, Happy Goat is a local success story. They support various causes within the community by partnering with local charities and supporting artists and musicians. Happy Goat specializes in a variety of roasted coffees from all across the world, and their Guatemalan medium roast was actually voted by the public as best drip coffee at the 2019 edition of the Ottawa Coffee Fest. Hi, Henry. Thank you so much for meeting us today. Can you tell us a little bit about the origins of Happy Goat and how you've been able to successfully grow the business to where it is today? Yeah, sure. Hi, nice to see you. Um, so Happy Goat Coffee Company started by uh, Pierre Richard, uh, um, an old friend and, and uh, colleague um, in, in, uh, in Mechanicsville, actually a small, uh, small garage um, in 2010. Uh, in 2011, we started roasting for Happy Goat. Um, we, meaning um, Wake Up Coffee Roasters, we, we had a, another company uh, that's still in existence, but uh, we sort of faded it out after uh, acquiring Happy Goat. So Happy Goat, uh, uh, we, we acquired Happy Goat in 2012, and we moved it to its present uh, location at 35 Laurel Street in between Little Italy and Chinatown and Hindenburg. By 2015, we opened um, uh, our, uh, 2016 actually, we opened um, uh, our second location in Sandy Hill uh, on Will Broad. And uh, 2017, we opened our third location on Elgin Street. Uh, and from there, um, within the last uh, three years, um, we opened uh, uh, five more. And we're in the process of opening four in the LRT stations. We, um, we, we're working with the city of Ottawa to, uh, to open four more in, in four LRT stations. So that's a, a little bit of a brief uh, history. I mean, our, um, the, the, the founder, uh, the original founder of Happy Goat um, uh, specialized in 
high quality. Um, we were very small. We were only doing uh, very, very little volume. Um, uh, but it was high quality special specialty coffees from different origins. Um, we presently, three years ago, we started sourcing our coffees direct. So we actually, our roastmaster uh, Hans, he uh, travels to the uh, country of origin and he uh, negotiate with the uh, farmers directly, uh, sources the right, what he considers is, is, is a good quality coffee. And we negotiate the price directly with the farmer, a fair price, and, uh, and then we make the deal. Um, we do that from uh, five different origins uh, in Central and South America and uh, from Ethiopia as well, uh, and Rwanda. Uh, until last year, we, we stopped from Rwanda. There are a couple of issues that we have to resolve. Um, but that's basically our, our, the way we, we uh, source our coffees. We work exclusively with either uh, uh, independent farmers or farmers that, uh, um, that work within a cooperative. That's how we do our coffee business. Now, we, I would like to mention a couple of things uh, that differentiates us from um, uh, our fellow uh, you know, uh, roasters in the industry. Uh, because there is quite a few roasters now in, in Canada that, that do direct trade as well with farmers. Uh, what we strive for, and that's what we're working towards right now, we have a couple of projects with uh, Carleton University and the University of Ottawa uh, to um, work on sustainability and, uh, uh, and coffee byproducts. So, uh, for example, we are, uh, we are in the process of uh, uh, developing uh, uh, um, a line of uh, beverages uh, that use the cascara, which is the outer shell of the cherry of coffee uh, that is dried, ground, and then brewed um, uh, to, to actually make uh, healthy, anti high in antioxidant, high in fiber uh, beverages. And we're going to be uh, marketing them to our local and our, um, our local uh, markets and uh, to to um, bigger chains like Farm Boy and and uh, and the likes, uh, so we we would like to really uh, emphasize the fact that we are uh, working towards uh, what they call a zero waste uh, coffee um, uh, business, where we use every part of the coffee for uh, um, either to create a beverage or um, uh, a food product or to use it um, uh, to help farmers use it as, as, um, uh, as a fertilizer. So, um, so the zero waste is still, we're not there 100%, but we are uh, striving for that. Um, and that is a big part of our sort of mission. You know, uh, a lot of people say, they ask me, you know, like, well, what is the, what is the end, you know, the end goal for Happy Goat? Well, I really believe that the end goal of Habico is to be big enough to actually affect change. You know, we don't want to be big just for the sake of being big. Uh, do we want to be profitable? Absolutely. We are a business. We're not uh, a non-for-profit. Uh, although we support a lot of social causes in uh, in our where we operate, um, our 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 staff very well known in the industry that our staff have their own minds and they do their own things and we support that we support their independence their their uh, creativity 
and um, and and that's that is our our sort of message, right? Um, but at the same time, we really want to do we, we want to um, make uh, we, we want to make a change. You know, we want to affect change on on the ground, on in the field. You know, the farmers, the small farmers that can't really afford to be. Uh, uh, you know, some of them are actually abandoning uh, their farms because they they're not making money. Um, uh, so we really don't want that uh, because uh, then I think the industry will lose their source of uh, specialty coffee, which is already dwindling. Um, you know, there's there's you know either the big big farmers or uh, or nothing or you know the the, the family farms are are very very. Uh, um, driven by uh, literally uh, their own labor They're, they they can't afford to hire uh, help they so that's what we really want to drive home is that we we want to help uh, we want to make money uh, but that is not the ultimate goal uh, the ultimate goal really is to affect change um so that's that's really the the what, what's driving our growth uh, because if we can't really grow we can't really go direct to the farmers and that's the thing you have to have enough volume enough you know roasting volume uh, capacity in order for us to actually be able to go direct to the to the farmers and we worked on it for the last uh, again since 2012 we've been working on that and finally the last two years we started going direct to the farmers about 90 percent of our our copies are actually direct right now uh, and we we our goal is to go 100 percent direct to the farmers so that's really the the gist of uh, Happy Goat and where do we want to go from here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned the Cascara uh, coffee and uh, I actually remember trying it for the first time last year at the, the coffee right. fest. <laughs> it was, it was mind-blowing. Like I, I couldn't really wrap my head around how this could come from like you know, a, a coffee bean, like, you know, the, the bean itself, but not taste at all like coffee, more like a tea. Exactly. Well, like, like, like more refreshing than a tea. That's right. Um, I mean, you yeah. should actually try, Genevieve, and I know that you haven't been, uh, we don't have it in all our shops, yeah. and, but most of our shops have the cascara soda. So we have actually on, on tap yeah. a carbonated cascara brewed uh, um, uh, wow. So it's it's really uh, we will be canning that as well, and, and that's, uh, it's 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 really very refreshing. It's it's a healthy product mm -hmm. because it's very high in antioxidant, and it's also lower caffeine content. It has about fifteen percent per volume, uh, you know, of that of uh, regular coffee, brewed coffee. Okay. So it's really really refreshing, and it's it's a drink that you can have actually anytime, winter or summer, no problem. Yeah, that's you know. true. So uh, yeah, we're working towards uh, towards that for sure. You know, mm -hmm. um, what was the um, like? Who first discovered? Like, what's the whole history behind the Cascara coffee? Okay, uh, well, actually, they've, they've been working on it. Not necessarily in North America. Well, I should focus on Canada. Um, in Canada, we didn't have really Cascara until they started, you know, playing with it about two years ago. You know. And last year, as you know, in March, we, we actually, that was our first time that we were trying Cascara on, like, you know, directly to customers, you know. Um, so we started, I think, first of all, the, the 
cherry itself used to be thrown away or um, given as food product to, to cattle or as a fertilizer. It was never really considered as a, as a, as a, a viable drink, a, you know, beverage, right? Um, so it was always, um, uh, you know, it was never really a filler or a standalone uh, food product. The challenge is actually having a cascara that is food grade, and that is the challenge that we are working on. Right now, the only or only certified food uh, product cascara uh, we're sourcing out of Costa Rica. But we are working with uh, different partners, different farmers in Ethiopia, because we believe that they can produce a really nice cascara uh, to have them, uh, uh, you know, process the cascara there. That's the challenge because, you know, when you don't have um, uh, electricity on, in the field, in the, you know, on the farms, it's very hard to actually uh, make sure that it is food grade because you, you need to dry it, you can you need to package it, you need to make sure that there's no fungus, there's no, um, you know, insect uh, uh, infestation or anything like that. And that is a challenge, right? So uh, right now, obviously, we are only using a certified uh, food uh, food of course. Uh, uh, cascara. <laughs> awesome. I'll have to try the, oh, the one tap. <laughs> it is nice to see different parts of the coffee plant being used, though, for more than just taking the bean and then throwing it out. And as you said, it's contributing all to that that zero waste process and got to use every last drop. You know, it's just like exactly. <laughs> And it helps, you know, I, I may add, actually, it helps the farmers because the farmers are actually now they're making money on, on the cascara itself. So instead of making money on the coffee beans, they're actually selling the cascara and making money on that as well, which elevates their their living standard as well. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's really good to know that they're definitely taking in different types of income. Uh, for sure. I'm sure any little bit helps. So absolutely. I'll have to go try some as well. I didn't get to try it last year, but I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. So um, obviously, you know, we can't really get around this without asking you, you know, how Happy Goat is handling the pandemic. You know, you've mentioned that this is obviously a time of growth for you. You've got a couple different shops opening up and stuff like that. Uh, but at the same time, dealing with the pandemic. So how, how are you adapting um, to things right now? I believe most businesses, small and medium, um, they adapted uh, quite well. I shouldn't say quite well, but it depends on, uh, I believe, how ready they were to go to go digital, to go online and, and uh, sort of replace, uh, if you wish, their, their revenue from retail to the online, uh, the online world, you know. Um, luckily, we, we actually were uh, in the process of launching our online campaign when COVID hit. So, um, you know, I know it, it, it sounds um, crazy, but it was well-timed, uh, if you wish. So the, I, the, what we did is we uh, really sat down and put a plan right uh, March 15th, around the March 15th, that we that's what we're doing that's what we're focusing on because it was a shock for us and as as it was for everybody else that oh my god we're closing down <laughs> and you know the the funny well it's not funny the hard part is that we actually just opened three three locations three new locations you know uh the one on main street the one on hope willem bank and the one on uh, in westboro actually we opened westboro even in after march we opened in april so 
but we were in the process of opening three locations. Uh, actually, if you count Staples, it's four locations. Like it was crazy. Um, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, we did not foresee this happening, and we were in growth mode, and and so it was it was it was a big hit for us to uh, close all. And we just opened, you know, two of them. We just opened three weeks before, you know, so um, it, it was it was it was really hard, and um, I can't imagine for an independent small cafe owners or uh, a small restaurant how hard it was just to shut down and 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 not have any revenue. I mean, luckily, as as we mentioned before as well, the subsidies kicked in, and and a lot of small businesses sort of. Uh, reopened and 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 started trying to uh, to do business. Uh, I I I'm a pessimist. I'm I mean an optimist. I should say <laughs> I'm I'm not pessimistic at all. I I, I really um uh, I believe that it will be okay. Uh, the only problem is can we sustain that? Can small business sustain uh, until it is okay? You know. Uh, and that's a big question. Uh, the programs that, that the government had put together uh, definitely helped. Uh, some of them are are, are continuing. Uh, some of them are stopping now uh, as of end of August. Uh, we hope that there will be an, an introduction of another uh, um, subsidies program for small business and tenants uh, that that are that are uh, uh, suffering right now. I believe. Uh, a lot of our our colleagues in the in, in the industry, uh, whether it's the cafes or small restaurants, uh, are uh, definitely suffering uh, for the lack of revenue and the lack of uh, customers coming in. But but to go back to how we actually worked with uh, the situation, we um, we did very well online uh, the first two three months. We're sustaining, we're trying to sustain a certain level of revenue online, and we've been quite successful. Having said that, I'm not sure, uh, uh, looking at the industry as a whole, I'm not sure if everybody else is in the same sort of position that we were in. Um, and the, the, the ability to adapt uh, quickly uh, and without really uh, losing a lot of momentum or uh, revenue, um, you know, revenue uh, stream. So, uh, did it affect us? Yes, and 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 we're we're still we're still not as far as the retail stores are concerned. We're not even close to what we were before before the pandemic. We are definitely taking measures, uh, uh, predicting that it's going to be obviously cold. We're in Canada, um, so we're we're we want to put a plan together to. Uh, have physical divides uh, dividers in our in our cafes and maintaining social distancing and um, in, you know keeping in mind the safety of our our employees and the safety of our customers but having said all that it will be i believe it will be difficult uh, it will be a difficult time for the next 6 to 8 months uh, until uh, until we are close to a vaccine we we will still uh, i i believe uh, struggle to maintain our current, uh, well, pre-COVID, um, uh, you know, revenue level. So yeah, I, I'm again, I'm an optimist, but uh, I think we are uh, we're going to be facing as a small business, uh, and I speak, I believe, I speak to a lot of people that are in the industry. Uh, we will be uh, facing challenges in the next eight months, and if there is no help by the government, I think we'll see a lot of 
I predict that there will be a lot of uh, businesses that are going to go under, uh, unfortunately, you know, in the industry. You bring up a good point with, uh, you know, how quickly cafes and ro or businesses in general can can adapt or adopt new practices to to try and change their business, not change their business, but take on new things to to keep to keep going in this time. And and I've had a similar thought. The winter is going to be right now. People have patios and stuff like that, and so you have this outdoor space and and hopefully you can continue to 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 try new things throughout the winter to keep people engaged and keep your customers uh, coming in. So it sounds like your customers have responded well though to 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 everything that Happy Goat has put in place. Yes, I mean by and large, yes. I uh, I mean mind you they keep asking us when are you opening inside and we keep saying, well, really it's not it's not um I mean, in the summer, it wasn't a very, uh, it wasn't a responsible thing to do. You know, we we definitely had, uh, you know, we, we our our spaces and and the same with a lot of small independent cafes. There isn't a huge space where you can go and and put cafes with two meters apart from them. We can fit probably if we if we need to also leave space for our retail spot, uh, retail space, and and people coming in and picking up uh, coffees and. And, and, and sandwiches and what have you. Uh, there is very little space left for uh, seating with two meters, uh, um, with the rules of the rule of two meters away um, from uh, distancing from each other. So we, we really chose the safety of our employees and the safety of our uh, customers uh, and, and decided not to, not, to, uh, not to allow sitting inside the cafes. Having said all that, uh, of course, I may seem a little bit hypocritical when I say, well, you know, when it when it comes to winter, we're going to have to uh, to adapt and 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 make sure that we we are allowed allowing people to actually sit inside. It's not. It's. I think we need to. We are learning as we go. You know. So um, I think we're all learning how to deal with it, how to react to different situations, and and we will probably need to react to a, a second wave, quote unquote. Everybody's talking about it. Um, I'm not sure. I think in Ottawa, we are. Uh, I feel comfortable saying that uh, Ottawa has been a very responsible city in general, um, and I believe we're, we will continue to do that. I think even if there is a second wave, I'm hoping and I'm uh, I'm I'm optimistic that we will respond to it in the right manner. Uh, so we will be. Uh, again, you know, winter com coming, we will be putting uh, certain measures in, in, in our cafes to allow people to uh, sit and, and enjoy their coffees, um, uh, you know, for a limited period of time. Hopefully, you know, people don't want to, we don't want people to linger for an hour or two hours on their on their laptops because I think it just makes sense to allow other people to uh, sit down and enjoy theirs. You think of coffee shops, sometimes people work there all day. And so that brings yeah. up a whole other uh you know side of things of maybe we won't be seeing that as often anymore mm -hmm. what what's your i'm just curious what your opinion is on that, oh, no, 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 that yeah be a, this is a perfect i mean you're, you're dead on i think a lot of actually a lot of our customers uh host like you know retail customers like independent cafes and, and restaurants they're actually not going to allow uh, wi-fi just to limit the you know the lingerers <laughs> you know and and you know, let's face it. I mean, a lot of students are not going to show up anymore. You know, they're 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 working from home. They're unfortunately, like we love. I mean, 
a big uh, section of our our customer base is is uh, the millennials you know and the and the the students the international students students from out, out of town and even students in, in ottawa you know we, we were uh, in our, our our sandy hill location is famous for that and the reader the reader location as well the reader street location so um you know actually all of our locations you know at any given time of the day you go in and uh, half of our uh, you know uh, customers are our students you know and uh, so we love them we want them to be around but the the, the issue is I, I think we need to uh be responsible and be um uh have accountability to ourselves and to others right and 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 hopefully uh, i think the message is coming it really is coming through you know we um you know we were talking about masks and 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 people whether we should be enforcing masks or not of course we want to implement the mask protocol in our on, in all of our cafes and we we do uh but we were proven right to say that we don't want our 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 uh, baristas to actually enforce it meaning if somebody's in line and he does he or she doesn't have a um or they don't have a a mask on then they were uh, you know the barista we did not ask our baristas to do that uh, you know would stop and say okay you get out because you don't have a mask on i believe that there there are many uh, uh, you know, situations where people can, cannot actually wear masks. Now, I'm, I'm talking about the still uh, a very low percentage, but they do have it. You know, people with asthma, people with, uh, uh, you know, any respir uh, respiratory, uh, um, you know, issues, um, anxiety. Uh, I know I know. even some of our staff, they, they wouldn't be able to uh, wear masks. So the reason I brought this is... Uh, brought this up is because um, I believe that the people in general are getting the message and they're following the the uh, health uh, um, you know authorities uh, instructions and, and, and recommendations so we uh, really rely on the public to be responsible uh, we do support all of the measures that the health uh, um, and I think everybody should you know um, uh, are putting together and the recommendations that they're uh, they're putting forth and 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 I think we appeal to all of our customers to act responsibly and and allow other customers to uh, to also have their uh, time in the cafes come winter because uh, unfortunately uh, I think again I don't want to be a pessimist but I think it's going to be a, ch a challenge you know mitigating the the weather the uh, the, the pandemic the you know uh, the divide, the physical division, and the physical distancing is going to be a challenge. And I hope, I hope that all of our colleagues in the industry will 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 survive and uh, and 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 hopefully will come out of this uh, uh, better better society. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you do. You you have a good point by saying that you know it's more. It's a lot about accountability. Like people have to obviously think a lot about others a bit more than we're used to. <laughs> you know, we like to live in our own, own bubbles, but it's not just about us, you know, it's about everyone else as well. And, you know, without a strong community, well, there's, there's no individuals. So, Absolutely. so um, I just want to go back into, um, you know, we chatted a bit about your beans uh, earlier, but um, you mentioned that 
uh, Happy Goat sources specialty coffees uh, from across the world, Guatemala, et cetera, uh, through direct trade. And I think you said 90% of them are single origin. Can you talk about a bit about that? Like, uh, you know, single origin versus, you know, uh, a, a mix well, of I mean, Yeah. So, yeah, because we do deal, it's a single origin refers to the farm, right? I mean, it's a... It, it, that means it origin, originated from uh, a single origin, <laughs> single farm. When I say direct trade, I say, um, and I mentioned it before, um, it could be actually a blended coffee as well, uh, where uh, we take different coffees and blend them, right? Uh, we have uh, a few blends that we, we uh, put out, espresso blends, regular coffee blends, but we do, uh, I think our... our our sort of, you know, strongest coffee selections would be single origins, you know, whether it's the Guatemalan, as you mentioned, Brazilian is very, very uh, strong for us in, in different, in different, uh, uh, whether it's espresso or drip coffee. Uh, we also use a lot of Ethiopian. We, we use a lot of Colombian. Um, now we're, we're getting a beautiful Costa Rican that we're, that we're brewing in our cafes. So we we so just to mention single origin again it's it's whether it's a farm or country uh, we do have that's mostly uh, what we what we bring in but we do blend them here you know so we do uh, carry a few blends um, whether it's the tesseract or the uh, the forsa or the you know we have we have quite a few of them the G and and, and other and other blends but as as you probably know from our last year uh, coffee fest. Um, the Guatemalan is quite one of our best coffees in our selection right now. Um, and it's a very, uh, definitely very tasty coffee. So 90% we deal, as I mentioned, uh, that's we source direct. So the 10% is we, we go through distributors, uh, whether it's a decaf, mainly our decaf, we get them from uh, distributors because our volume doesn't allow us to really uh, source it in a container uh, size, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Because shipping costs will be just the prohibitive, you know. That's basically our, our, you know, more or less how we source our coffees and 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 uh, who do we deal with to to source our coffees. The coffees that we uh, um, roast, so we roast on two different uh, roasting machines. Just to give you an idea, uh, they're they're close to each other. They're in, they're in our head office. Uh, one in our original cafe at thirty five Laurel and the main one at 33 Laurel, which is right two doors down. And that's all all of our production, all of our packaging, all of our, uh, and the head office is is where we are right now. Um, we've invested in a, in a central production kitchen where we we do all of our baked goods and sandwiches and we distribute them to our, all of our cafes. I do want to mention the, the, and I did mention it at the beginning that we are opening four locations in, in in the LRT stations, uh, and that is uh, two of them are going to be opening uh, by the end of September, and another two uh, 15 days later. So that's more or less the the. Uh, I know I jumped from coffee beans to locations to food to you know, but I think we're we're covering more than one question at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, what is um, what is your favorite blend? Right now, uh, right now it's not a blend. Uh, right now, I actually have uh, the single origin, which is the no uh, Costa Rican. Right now, okay, uh, it changes, you know, <laughs> you it know, changes every day. Part of the uh, uh, you know, 
little perks that we get is we we get to try all the different coffees. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's an amazing. Uh, you know, when you come in the morning, and I always ask, "Oh, what are you brewing today?" You know, and we brew different coffees every day. So, uh, yeah, the Costa Rican now is just fantastic. You know, I, I mean, the Guatemalan is always the go-to, um, as is the Brazilian, depending on on the time of day and uh, the mood and and stuff like that. But it is very, very uh, the Costa Rican right now is really stealing the show for us. I'm curious how you develop those different flavor profiles in your coffee. Excellent question, because I, I actually, I'll be very quite honest, uh, you know, complete disclosure here. Although I take part in that, what you call the cupping uh, sessions, I either like a coffee or I don't, you know, I either say, okay, yeah, I really like this coffee or I don't, right? So we, we go through a process of what we call sample roasting. So we have a sample roaster, a small, uh, it does 100 to 200 grams at a time. So we go through, uh, once we get the coffees, um, uh, once we decide on which coffees or in the process of deciding on which coffees to bring in, we actually do the sample roasting and the cupping. Um, Hans does them, uh, Hans, our, our uh, roaster, our roast master, he uh, does them in the, uh, the country of origin. And he also sends samples to us to cup here. Uh, and, and we have a team of, they're all employees of, you know, colleagues of ours that work in the warehouse and, and in different cafes. Uh, it's more or less a focus group that we sit together. We uh, roast, you know, we sample roast it, cup it, and decide on the, so when we do the sample roasting, we do, um, just to give you a little bit of a, uh, you know, crash course, if you wish, you do uh, different temperatures, uh, different shades of, of how dark or, or how light, uh, and then you cup them and you choose the best or the ideal profile of the coffee, of that particular coffee. Uh, it may take more than one, and most of the time it takes more than one uh, sessions, but that is more or less how we uh, sort of decide, okay, for the Costa Rican, we want it, this is a profile and there's an actual chart that you uh, say, okay, you know what? We dump the coffee in the roaster at 350 degrees. And, uh, you know, once the roaster gets to 300, 350, we dump them at 10 minutes, we lower the temperature or we make it even higher to 400 degrees or 450. Again, it depends on the shade of darkness or lightness that you want to get the coffee to. And that that is dictated by the time, uh, the temperature, and the airflow. And, and that's where you, uh, um, obviously, Hans is a lot more experienced in that. He's been in the business for, you know, decades. And, and, and he's very versatile when it comes, I mean, very, very knowledgeable, I should say, when it comes to... Um, you know, uh, cupping and, and roasting and and indicating uh, and uh, deciding which profile we should go uh, uh, with. And that's how uh, we actually get the best out of the bean. You know, if you don't do that really, and if you, you know, if you wing it, and I used to do that a long time ago, you know, 12 years ago when I started in this business, I, I was not a, a roast master. So I, I although I, I knew how to roast, uh, basically, I, I, I knew how to roast it. But I really was not as sophisticated and, and as knowledgeable as Hans is and, and as precise because it is uh, really, at the end of the day, it's precision, it's uh, diligence 
um, even when you when you brew a coffee, you know, the idea of brewing a coffee for us, you know, five spoons for the three cups, we don't work like that, you know. It's, uh, you know, if you want to do an espresso, you know, it's got to be 18 degree, 18 grams in each espresso, and you, you weigh it, you always monitor it. For me, it was like, oh, two grams more, who cares, two grams less. But no, I mean, I think that's where I learned a lot from Hans and other people that, that, joined, the, the, that joined us at Happy Goat. Honestly, it's an ongoing process, uh, at least for me. You know, uh, every day I learn something different about different, different coffee. So to answer your question, I know it was a long, it's like a circle. I went in a circle, but it is really, uh, it, does, um, it does reflect precisely how we get to the profile. You know, it's, it's a trial and error, making sure that we, um, we are very diligent and precise in our in our approach to the different coffees everybody's invited to come over and, and have a cupping session with us and and see how we do it it's actually very interesting you know it's a, it's an eye opener sometimes you know it seems to be a mix of uh, it's an art and a science at the same exactly. time yeah <laughs> you got to put in a little creativity but also have a lot of precision at the same time so meanwhile we're just drinking our morning coffee not even realizing that whole process that went into it yeah, and, and you know what? That's a good point, uh, Melanie. You know, it's it's really interesting because people don't realize how many people, you know, that cup of coffee, how many people actually touched the bean before, you know, you drank the coffee, right? Uh, we're talking about the farmers, the processors, the uh, importers, the roasters, the uh, baristas, the, like, it's, it's you know, the, the roast masters. It really is a long and, you know, it's a lengthy process. It's, of course, it's a pleasure for most people because if you don't really love, like, you know, the coffee uh, business and how we do it, uh, you're not going to be good at it. It doesn't matter how much money you pour into it. If you really don't like it and you don't, you don't, it's not a passion, that will definitely reflect in the end, you know, in the, uh, the end product, you know. And that's what we always say. We invite people to actually come in. And, and have a cupping session with us and, and enjoy the, you know, the interaction with the Roastmaster or Josh or Josea or Ahmed. We all sit down and cup, you know, just like what you see sometimes on, uh, you know, in videos and stuff, you know, so that, that's what we do. So do you, uh, do you have any exciting upcoming projects? I should continue with LRT just a little bit uh, because I think it's a, it's a very interesting um, and challenging as well. We uh, ironed out the contract with the city exactly September 16th of last year. Um, so it's been a long process uh, dealing, of course, COVID didn't help, but dealing with the, uh, with the RTG, OC Transport, the city, uh, RTM, um, and of course, our designers, engineers, and, and so on. Finally, we, 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 we can say uh, with all uh, confidence that we are we are opening two of them, one large and one. So it will be Tony's Pasture and and uh, and Blair as of September uh, end of September, and the other two, which is Rido and uh, and Herdman, uh, by uh, the middle of October. Hopefully, we will be offering more or less the same menu, um, uh, even though it's 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 a very you know, it's a it's a rush rush. It's a high traffic uh, areas that we need, but we we've put in the technology and the and the tools to 
uh, serve customers fast. So we're very excited about that. Uh, we obviously are a little bit, a little apprehensive about the fact that not uh, the, the the LRT is not is not going to be in full uh, in full swing as far as uh, ridership is concerned. But we're hoping um, we're hoping by uh, end of year, beginning of next year, that more or less things are going to come. Even if it's at fifty percent, forty percent, we'll be more than happy to to uh, to have that back. Um, having said that, yes, there are a couple of other uh, uh, projects that we're working on. Uh, one of which is the Cascara. Uh, we are actually starting the Cascara project. Uh, we're importing our Cascara as we speak. And uh, we are um, uh, we're partnering with uh, a company out of Toronto to um, to work on uh, brewing it and uh, uh, canning it. So we're uh, gonna be uh, canning different flavors of cascara. We're gonna uh, exotic flavors. We're gonna have a tamarind. We're gonna have uh, a citrus, and we're gonna have a third one. Um, and and the regular, of course, natural. It's something exciting that we're doing because we've never done that before. We didn't. We really never uh, put something that is uh, in a commercial fashion uh, in cans. Uh, this will be our our first project. The second project that we're going to have is is also canning, and that will be our cold brew. Our cold brew is literally, my view, is one of the best in the, in, in in Canada. I. Uh, I stand by that. It's uh, I don't know if you've ever tried our, our cold brew, but you gotta try it. It's a nitro cold cold brew, so it's really mm -hmm. cool and, and very very tasty. Um, so those are the two projects that we're that we're uh, really pushing, and uh, and hopefully we'll have uh, one of them done before the end of the year, and the second one uh, in the spring, which is the cold brew. So um, uh, yeah, we we have some news maybe. Uh, you know, we, we are uh, partnering with um, an Ottawa company, actually, but they, they have a location in Toronto. Uh, so we are partnering with them to open a small kiosk in their facility uh, in Toronto. Uh, so that's going to be very exciting for us uh, because it's, uh, it's our sort of first array into, into Toronto, into the big city. And, um, and we'll see. We'll see where that takes us, right? So there's a lot of things that are happening, even though it's COVID, but... I think we are trying to do the best we can and try to collaborate with other, uh, uh, you know, like-minded uh, companies, small business, local companies, and 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 hopefully, uh, we'll continue to do that in the next, you know, within the next four or five months. That's really exciting. I'm uh, looking forward to hear to hearing that news. I can't. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, potential uh, companies that could. I don't think. I don't think you'll get it. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not very. Um, it's not obvious. Uh, okay. But they are. They are a, a local company, a local uh, business, and uh, but they do have locations in different cities. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll keep. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for that for sure. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us today. This was uh, very interesting to hear. Uh, obviously, you know, you guys have gone through. A lot in the past few few months and um we're very happy that you're able to go through uh you know successfully find solutions to uh some some problems that COVID might have uh imposed on you so we're really glad that you're able to to pull through 
Um, so before we go, uh, can you please just let our listeners, listeners know uh, where people can learn more about Happy Goat? Yeah, of course, happygoatcoffee.com. Uh, that's our website, our Instagram at happygoatcoffee. And, uh, you know, obviously all of our locations are open now and you're more than welcome to come and chat with us anytime you'd like. Our baristas will be happy to, uh, to assist you in any way, shape or form. Thank you so much for listening. Our podcast is available on our website at ottawacoffeefest.ca. Tell your friends and share the love. Je m'appelle Jen et nous sommes les cafés. My name is Mel and we're the Coffee Gals. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode coming out in a few weeks. Until then, keep supporting your local roasters and coffee shops.